this Steinway piano. I just had the Steinway company come in and tune it. And uh, the guy that worked on it, the guy that tuned it, was one of the guys who restored it. That piano was built in 1918, before most of you were born. And uh, the soundboard is original, as well as the metal in the box. The ivory keys were replaced because they were cracked and shot, but... He educated me on piano maintenance. You have to maintain a piano just like you do a car. And uh, I didn't know that. I thought you bought a piano, used it for 50 years, and then once in a while, you know, dusted it. But you're a little bit bigger than that. I want to talk to you, what, it, what does it mean to be a disciple? I got burdened about this. And I went through the entire New Testament looking up every occasion that the word disciple was used. And then the conclusion of that study is what you'll hear this morning. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, may you help us. Uh, this, this, uh, these words that you speak uh, literally rock you. They shock you as a person. They shock us and move us. May today the Holy Spirit do that again, as if in the day you spoke it. In Jesus' name, amen. What is a disciple? Matthew 16, 24, we'll get to that in some other places. Um, the word means to be a learner, to be a learner, a pupil. Hence, a disciple. It's a good translation, disciple. Uh, God has more for you than just being saved and going to heaven. When you get saved, it is the beginning of the journey, not the end of the journey. Uh, it's the beginning of a whole new life in Christ, right? It's a whole nother direction. In fact, if you're really born from above, it, it becomes a direction change, the fact of a change is indicative that there has been a regeneration. Now, we're inspectors. We cannot look in the person's heart. We can only look on the outside. We're just fruit inspectors, as people say. Jesus said, by your fruit, you'll know them. Ultimately, a good tree bears good fruit. I mean, it's just horse sense, right? A good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. That's just a general truism. As uh, people come to me and say, do you think so-and-so is saved? And I say, man, I don't have a clue. But if I was a betting man, you know, you can do that. People come and say, oh, I have a kid, and he's da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and they give me this story, and I say, do you think they're saved? And I say, you know, I don't, I don't judge the heart, but as a betting man, I would say I'd bet 99 to 1 they're not because they don't have any indication outwardly that they are. However, you got to leave that 1% for those that are saved as by fire. Because the Bible in Corinthians talks about a group of people that when they go to the judgment seat of Christ, all their works are burnt up. They got no works. And the Bible says they're saved as by fire. 
They get in on, if you want to call it this way, the skin of your teeth, which is, by the way, found in the book of Job. By the skin of your teeth. And so I don't want to go to heaven and miss out on the great things God has for me and get there just by the skin of my teeth. You say, yeah, preacher, but I'd rather get there than not get there. That's right. But you, once you get there, you will not want to just be there. It's just not who you are. You're going to want, in other words, it's going to hit you and it's going to hit me at opportunities that we have this side of heaven that God has given us. That's why Dr. Crabb's going to West Coast Baptist College because it's a, it's a call of God and it's an opportunity and it's a, it's a, it's, he's a, he's a, I think you're a disciple, brother. You fit, you fit the bill. And so you ask yourself the question, I'm glad you do, what is a disciple? I'm going to answer that in 10 short sentences. Now, most of you have been around preaching long. Get real worried when some preacher gets up here and says, I got 10 points. But, but be, be assured we'll be done by noon. And hopefully you will. And I'm even going to review them at the end. So you get them. I got them here on paper so I can remember. I, I'll tell you what, my memory is not what it used to be, but it's not what it's going to be. Amen. Not what it's going to be. What is a disciple? Now, these come direct out of the book. This is not Bill Itell sitting down thinking, what would 10 good things be? This is right. After studying every, every place that occurs in the New Testament, this is what I came up with. Number one, a disciple is of Jesus. He puts Jesus first. A disciple puts Jesus first. Matthew 8, 21 says, another of his disciples said to him, Lord, suffer me to go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury the dead. How many people give every excuse they have not to do what God wants them to do? I got this to do. I got that to do. In Luke chapter 14, verse 26, a statement literally that knocks the socks off of me when I read it. Every time, he says, Luke 14, 26 says, if any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother. And, and I'm, I'm going to say this to give impact that the Bible just lists it, but I'm going to say the word hate every time because that's true in the grammar. If, if, if I'm not willing to hate my father and hate my mother and hate my wife and hate my children and hate my brethren, that's you, hate my sisters, yea, and hate his own life. He cannot be my disciple. Whoa, now you know that knocks you for a loop. Because right now your mind's saying, preacher? Hate? Well, I believe what Jesus was saying, your love for him's got to be so much bigger than the love for all those things he mentioned, it's almost like hate. Are you with me? Also, you, got, you need to love Jesus to the point you're willing to give up your mother and father. You're willing to give up your wife. I've given up my wife. My wife is here probably today. She may be in the nursery, but I tell you, my wife's given me up to Jesus. And I have been away from her many, 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 many times and many days for doing the will of God and doing the work of God. So many evenings and so many weekends I've given because I have to put Jesus first. Why? I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
Now, we're living in a day of focus on the family, focus on the family, focus on the family. And I think, I think we are in a danger of putting the family above God. Let me tell you this. God don't take second place. Put, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. That's family. That's kids. That's job. That's job. People use work. It's the only excuse to not come to church is work. The only excuse not to do the will of God is work. The only excuse not to go door to door is work. The only excuse not to do the bus ministry is work. The only legit, but I'm going to tell you why is you up to say there's no legitimate excuse not to do the will of God. Because if you're a disciple, it becomes pretty obvious you're going to put Jesus first. What makes 100% all in Christian? He puts Jesus first. Got quiet in here. We should have amen and people throwing their Bibles up in the air, coming to run, maybe taking a lap around the room one or time. What in the world? It's good. I love you. Verse 33, Luke chapter 14. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. You can get mad at me all you want, but these are Jesus' words. Oh, but I want heaven, and I want everything. everything. Oh, heaven is a wonderful place full of glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. But, uh, you know, I'm busy, Lord. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not those things which I tell you, I command you. You know, there's some conviction going on this morning. Because if you don't get convicted about this, you're hard as a rock. See, I, when I prepared this, I already got convicted. I already got right. So I got right with God, so I feel good. You're not there yet. A dis, number two, a disciple received. Now, if you that are timing me and you times that by 10, you're worried, aren't you? A disciple receives power for his service. Number two. Woo. But you shall receive, Acts 1.8. You shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. So the beauty of uh, God doesn't ask you to give up the things of this life for him and put him number one without rewarding us. You get his power. You get the Holy Spirit of God to help you. He said in Acts chapter 2, a fulfillment of Joel the book of Joel, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. On my servants, on my handmaids, I'll pour out in those days my spirit, and they shall prophesy. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, he says, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with the power from on high. Don't do God's work without his power. We don't have to walk in this path alone. He said, I'll walk with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The Holy Spirit, the name of the paraclete, means to walk alongside of. God's with us. So a disciple is number, he puts Jesus number one, amen? Puts him first. But because of that, then God gives you his power. He gives you power. Number three, a disciple must be willing to go where his master would went. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 24, disciples not above his master. 
nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and a servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, and they did, how much more shall they call them of his household? So if Je- how did they treat Jesus? Not well. How do you think you should expect to be treated by the world? Not better than Jesus, really. Equal, at least equal with Jesus. See, because when you go to them and talk to them about Jesus, it's really not you that's talking. It's the Holy Spirit of God talking to them through the Word of God. And they are hating Jesus the same way that the Pharisees hated Jesus and the Sadducees hated Jesus and the Herodians hated Jesus. The scribes and the lawyers hated Jesus. That same spirit of hatred is what you see in them. They don't even know why they hate you like they do. The liberals of our, of our country go out and scream at the moon at night with the thought that we would be in power. What would born-again Bible-believing Christians do so horribly? Well, we'd have law and order. We'd teach that God created everything. We'd quit aborting babies. Uh, we'd we'd uh, honor freedom of speech. Honestly honor it. Uh, we, we would have dignity and respect for humans. I mean, there's so many things, Christians, oh, I can't live in a country like that. Well, you have options. Go north, go south. Go east or go west. Number four, a disciple does what he's told to do. These are real deep, aren't they? But this is the Bible. This is where a disciple does. It's just so plain. A disciple does what he's told to do. Matthew 21, 6. Uh, and his disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. There it is. There it is. He did as Jesus commanded them. This is what a disciple does. He obeys orders. He does what is the will of his Lord. He doesn't make his, boy, I have seen Christians through the years in decision-making not include God. Wow, what a mistake that is. But it looks so good, preacher. A is B, and, but you don't include God. I can guarantee, and brother, I'm using you as an example because you're not going to be here next week, so I'm going to use you. Dr. Crabb, his decision-making and going to California was not his decision-making because nobody in his right mind would leave us. Right? Nobody would leave us. We're so sweet. But he's doing it because God says do it. In other words, you just do what you're told. I'm just a servant of the king. I just do what I'm told. Go where I'm told. Number five, a disciple must deny himself. Pretty obvious. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Denying yourself may be one of the harder areas that he's asked you to do as a disciple. It's a reoccurring area of denying yourself. The green monster. How many are familiar with the green monster? Amen. Raise your hand. It helps you stay awake. The green monster. 
Ah, man, sometimes that old green monster comes up in me. And you got to beat that thing now and say, no, it's not God's will. No, it's not God's will. The selfish streak I have, I know you have a hard time believing that. I got such a selfish streak in me, such a self-satisfying, self-serving streak, self-preserving streak, and you got it too. And you got it big. And being a disciple of Jesus, man, that rubs that thing, that rubs that whole selfish streak wrong. That just rubs the cat the wrong way. When God asks you to teach Sunday school class and you have trouble speaking and you get petrified in public and your hands begin to sweat and you break out into a hot flash and you say, that, I, I can't do it. That's, you're a candidate for the king. As soon as you say, I can't do it, that's the guy and the girl he can use for himself. Brother, if you want to, this is not, this is probably point 11. To be a disciple, that's those people, the best disciples are those people who don't think they can be. That is point 11, because that's not in here. Boy, when you think you can't be, I get excited. People tell me, I don't think I can do it. I had these verses to memorize that Brother Corey's doing, and uh, Brother Chris did, and I had these verses, and I gave them to a guy, and I, he said, man, I've never memorized anything in my life. I absolutely cannot do this. I said, okay. He said, what do you mean, okay? I said, well, I know you can't do it. What do you mean I can't? What do you? I said, well, you know, you're not real. <laughs> slow. What do you mean I'm slow? You just told me you couldn't do it. And I'm disagreeing with you. He says, well, I'm going to try it. He memorized all 200 of them. Quarter of them in class. Today is a soul winner out there winning people of Christ. He had never, ever dreamed himself to be that way. But God did it. Oh, God loves to do that. Woo-wee. Number six, a disciple will take up his cross. He will take his cross up. He'll not only deny himself, but he'll take his cross up. You say, what cross? Now, most of you don't say that. If you've been saved for a while, you don't say what cross. You know what cross. God gives everybody a burden. Nobody gets out of this thing without pain. Nobody gets out of this thing called life without a struggle. If you think you're going to whoo through, that's just temporary. Oh, I came to church to get good news, and all I got was a, no, don't worry. You're, you're getting good news. Telling you the truth is good news. I could lie to you and tell you everything is going to come up roses. Well, you know that's not so, amen. And God says you got to take up your cross. You got to deny yourself, and you got to take up your cross, number six. So, whatever your burden is in life that God gives you, pick it up and embrace it. And embrace it. Make it your own. And say, God gave me this. Now, you know, I say that with fear and trembling, brother. Because I've seen some tough, tough things people bear. Tough stuff. We have a missionary in the back wall there who had an extremely retarded child. Not just a little, not Down syndrome, past Down syndrome, way past Down syndrome. This is, we're talking, we're talking not functionally almost, not functionally. And yet they've 
love that girl, and they've taken care of that girl, and they've washed that girl because they got to wash her, and she's probably now 18, and they've, they've, when she eats, food just goes everywhere. It's just unbelievable. That's their burden. And you know, you won't hear a complaint out of them. You won't hear it. You won't see it. You don't see it in their face. You won't see it in their actions. They've accepted the cross. Sometimes I look at those folks and I say, God, I'm not asking for it, but I wonder why I didn't get a burden like that. Well, and my answer comes back. He says, you're not strong enough. He'll not give you something above that which you're able. Doesn't the Bible say that? And I think, man, I'm a sissy, God. And he answers back, yes. I mean, I don't have some of the burdens. I look around here and I see people with burdens that would, that would shake me to the ground. That's because you don't have it. Okay. God will give it to you. When you, when you get the cross, you get the power to, to, to bear the cross. But you have a, you, maybe your cross is ridicule. Maybe your cross is the fear of man. Maybe your cross is a speech impediment. Maybe your cross is a hearing loss. What was that? Maybe your cross is persecution, just to name a few. But whatever your cross is, pick it up. In some cases, I've known women, their cross is their husband. I hate to say that. I didn't hear any amens, but I don't hear well. And I'm knowing some men whose cross was their wives. Oh, you're quiet. You guys are so quiet. I've known some men married a junkyard dog for a woman. I'm telling you. I mean, she was mean personified. And I've known an opposite way, too, where a guy, just mean old boy, just, just wanting to be cantankerous, just didn't want to get along, just wanted her to suffer, and did a good job of doing it. And God says, stick with the old boy. Stick with him. It's my cross. You're my disciple. A servant's not above his master. And I think, yeah. I've seen women stick with. I'm gonna go for the woman side of this. I know where I'm. I know. I know where I'm at. I've seen a woman bear her cross of this husband who brought women home. It was just as bad as you could imagine, and she bore with that old boy. And when he got to be 60 years old, he got born again. He got born again. I don't want to shoot that old boy. But she resisted the temptation to shoot him or to make his life miserable. And she, she was a godly woman to him. And he got born again. Now, I haven't seen this just once. I've seen this a few times. And he turned into being a beautiful, I'm telling you, a beautiful Christian man. If I named his name, many of you would know him. He turned into being a beautiful Christian. He's in heaven now. They're, you know, they're both in heaven. But he lived the last 20, 15, 20 years of his life for Jesus. And she told me he's the one of the most sweet, kind men I've ever known. I'm thinking, wow, you know, there's a God. Number seven, 
a disciple follows Jesus. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. What do they do? They just follow. I get tired of meeting these, these people who say they're disciples of Jesus and they follow, them, they're follow, they follow themselves. They follow everything around them, but they don't follow Jesus. But boy, if you ask them, I'm born again, I'm saved. Well, you know, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Now, these aren't my words. These aren't a denominational uh, creed. These are the words of the Bible where everybody gets their information. And if that's true, Jesus said, one of the ways you know that they're my sheep is they follow me. Are you following Jesus this morning? Well, you're here, amen? But this goes over the internet all over the world. And so for those listening, are you following Jesus? What does that mean? Well, just for a, a summation of it, would mean that you would be talking to him on a regular basis. You would be reading his word. You'd want to know what he said, what his instructions were for you, and you would be obeying those things, amen? Number seven, disciple follows Jesus. Well, let, me, let me give you a quick re review for my handy-dandy review list here. Number one, he puts Jesus first. Number two, receives power. Number three, willing to go where his master went. Number four, does what he's told to do. Number five, must deny himself. Number six, must take up his cross daily. Number seven, he follows Jesus. And number eight, a disciple bears much fruit. Oh, this is good stuff. A disciple bears much fruit. John 15, 8 says, Herein my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. It's just right out of the book. You're going to bear fruit. One of the testimonies that you're a disciple of Christ is other people are impacted by your life. And now, now, you know, God never says how many, right? He said, he said there would be some that would be 30-fold Christians, some that would be 60-fold Christians, some would be 100-fold Christians. I get that. I preach a sermon. Why? Uh, why I, I preach a sermon that says something about, I wish 100-fold Christians would, stop, would quit persecuting 30-fold Christians and tell them they were backslidden because they weren't hundredfold. Well, a hundredfold Christian is given the gifts to be the hundredfold Christian, and the sixtyfold Christian is given the gifts to be a sixtyfold Christian, and God bless the thirtyfold Christian is given the gifts to be a thirtyfold Christian, not a hundredfold. Or if, he was, if they had been given the hundredfold gifts, the thirtyfold would be the hundredfold. Now you, have, you get that. Quit persecuting them. I hope you've seen God work in your life. I hope you've seen people around you convicted. I get real tired of people saying they're disciples of Jesus and haven't lifted a finger for the lost. Ask yourself the question this morning, what am I doing to get the word out to lost people? Now listen to me. What am I doing to get the word out to lost people? Take a pencil, take a paper, and listen, oh, oh boy, is that archaic. Take your cell phone, hit the reminders, and do a list. What am I doing to bring the word of God to people that are going to die and go to hell? What am I doing? Boy, it'll help you. It'll help you. Are you a disciple? Well, if you're a disciple, you're going to bear fruit. You can't be part of Jesus without bearing fruit. 
because that's just the nature of who he is. God, wherever God goes, he grows. Wow. The ninth thing I see, a disciple is known by others as a disciple of Jesus because of their extraordinary love for other disciples. In other words, love one for another. Where do I get that? John 13, 35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. This has not been easy for me. I'm a warrior. I'm a hunter, killer, by nature. That's who I am. Everybody's a different personality. That's who I am. I'm not a killer of people. But I'm not the gentlest guy you've ever been around. I'm glad my wife's in the nursery. But I mean, it's, it, it, and I said, Lord, I, I have trouble. I don't really do well, you know, patty cake, patty cake, baker's man with folks. I kind of just want to tell him the truth and let it. And he goes, oh, now you need to love people, Bill. I know, God, man, I need your help here. I need your help to love them. I don't even like them. Oh, he says, that's okay. You don't have to like them. Oh, I think I can work with that. It would be unreasonable to ask me to like everybody, right? Wouldn't that be unreasonable for God to ask you to like everybody? Because you know how I irk you. I'm speaking to a group here this morning. That's just a certain personality. Quiet people oftentimes are irked by, by uh, bold people, you know, and, and just bothers them that those bold people are out there, blah, 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 all the time, and they're kind of quiet, sitting back. And I'm telling you, it bothers bold people that people sit there and don't say nothing. And we got all these irritations back and forth, all these personality differences and everything else. Jesus said, I got, if you're my disciple, you may not like everybody, but you're going to love them. I command you. Now, listen, you can't command somebody to like somebody. That's an emotion. But you can command somebody to love somebody. Yeah, I love that. I like that. I love it. I like it. I love everything. I know there's... I can't love you. What is love? The love of God, of course, right? We're talking about the love of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7, it's defined very specifically. I can do that as a disciple. And, and, and if I love you, obviously I'm not going to hurt you, right? I'm not going to steal from you, the Ten Commandments. I'm not going to covet your stuff. I'm not going to commit adultery with your wife. I'm not going to hurt you. Because I love you. I'm talking about the love of God. And I've got the love of God. He's, I'm not going to hurt you. And I'm going to try to help you to prosper spiritually. Make sense? That's what disciples do. I had people come to this church. And one of, the, one of the things I listen for when people visit the church or come to the church for a while, I really want to hear that we are a loving group of people. I really want to hear that because as a pastor, that tells me that you're disciples. By this, all men shall know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Now, I don't mind hearing, 
I don't like so-and-so. I'm good with that. I don't like them either. But I, but I love them. I'm not going to hurt them. They don't want to be around me. That's, I'm good with that. This is not a man love. This is God's love. Number 10. A disciple, and this is my favorite one. A disciple gets to see God's work. You get to see God work. Brother Steve is a disciple of Jesus Christ. Steve Ludwig there. He goes to prisons and places that are not pretty. But let me tell you what a disciple, when he obeys God, when God asks him to do something, he obeys God, he gets to see stuff that we don't get to see. He gets to see the conversions at the prisons. He gets to see the guys really get born from above and, and get hungry for the Bible and, and eventually get out, by the way, and do well. I knew a guy that was an evangelist who was in every jail from here, from Florida to Georgia, and he got born again, going to Bob Jones when I was there, and, and he was born from above. And, and man, oh man, the guy that led that boy to Christ, he would have never dreamed that guy would be used of God that way. Matthew chapter 14, verse 19, and some other places, of course, the feeding of the 5,000, feeding of the 4,000. He said he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and two fishes, looking up to heaven, he blessed and break, gave the loaves to his disciples, the disciples to the multitude. One of the disciples, because they were a disciple, they got to see that. They got to see the work of God. Now, if they wouldn't have been a disciple, they couldn't have seen the work of God. And if you'll obey God and do these 10 things, uh, that are mentioned in the New Testament, that mostly Jesus' words, by the way, that for us to be a disciple, the end of it all is you get to see God work. You get to see what I told you about that old boy getting saved at 60 years old and being a child of God and a sweet man. Now, I never knew him as a bad guy either. I couldn't hardly believe it when the wife told me that story about him. I looked at him, I said, you were that way? And he, he always put his head down and said, preacher, she's right, she's right. And he started crying. He said, I can't believe she stuck with me. Her love broke him. It broke him. That anybody would love her or love him that far. The love of God will break people. So these people were the disciples of Jesus. How about you? This morning the question is, you put Jesus first. Have you received the power of God? Are you willing to go where your master went, which is in persecution and suffering? Are you willing to do what you're told, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, follow Jesus, bear much fruit? Are you known for your love, godly love for people? And have you gotten to see God's work and God work? That's a disciple by, defined by the Bible. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Our Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for the words of God. Thank you that we're, they're a guide to us and direction for us and, and empowering. Father, we pray this morning. There could be some people that have got one foot in, one foot out 
Uh, maybe they're half in. Maybe they're a quarter in. They don't know when they want to be all, oh, my, my brother or sister, you're cheating yourself. I, I think a brother, uh, Dr. Crabb this morning, he didn't know I was going to preach on this, but he said the happiest life is a total in life, the, all the 100% dedicated life in Sunday school. He was absolutely telling the truth. If you've got one foot in, one foot out, you're not happy in either camp. And as a born-again believer, you can't go back. You can't go back and be happy. You cannot go back and be happy. You can go back, but you can't be happy. So the only direction you got is towards God. Why don't you make it 100%? Why don't you say, by the grace of God, I'm going to put God first in my life. I'm going to make him number one. I'm willing to embrace the cross that I've been given. I'm willing to deny myself. I haven't been denying myself much for the cause of Christ, but I'm willing to. And maybe God will use you and open a door for you. Oh, Father, make it so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Sing a couple verses just as I am without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me.